Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Boys Apprenticeship Program in Huichin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known as the East Bay Area. It's been f more than four months, almost fives, after Hurricanes Idma and Maria hit Puerto Rico, or Borinquen, the island's indigenous name. And you might be wondering, how are things over there? So, on tonight's show, we will update you on how disaster capitalism measures continue to unfold. We will speak with Raul Garcia from earthjustice.org about the role of Congress and its agencies in Borinquen's failed disaster relief. And we will learn about what Borinquen really needs, what has been done by Boricos on the island, and what can you do to support them. All that tonight on Full Circle. I am your host and Hurricane Maria survivor, Laura Laboricua Chagaray. Stay with us. Good evening, everyone, and welcome again to Full Circle. Back on September 6, 2017, Hurricane Mari Irma hit Puerto Rico, and a few days after, I went there to help my family recover and got trapped by Hurricane Maria. Once in California, I produced a show titled Puerto Rico and Disaster Capitalism that you can still listen to on our iCap archive page kpfaapprentice.org In that show I express my concerns about the collapse of communications and the consequent failure of emergency services Three months after Maria travel blogger Dan Weinberg from the YouTube channel The New Travel went to Puerto Rico to see things for himself and here is a segment he agreed to share with us It starts with the voice of a young woman seeking medical help for her mother. My mom, after Thanksgiving, she had like what appeared to be a flu. And a couple of days later, she had what it seemed like a really, really strong virus. We ended up in the emergency room of a very famous private hospital in San Juan. And she was told she had a really strong infection and diverticulitis, which is an inflammation on the intestines. And 24 hours later, she was released from the hospital. I mean, you are visibly really weak. You are in a lot of pain. And they sent her home. My dad 
called my cell phone and he said, come really fast, your mom is really, really sick. When I got to the room, she was saying, I can't breathe, help me, I can't breathe. My dad was trying to get the emergency system 911 and we have no power still, so the communications are really shaky. And what happened, the call didn't connect it to the 911 system. Later, we can't get 9-11 service right. My dad had to leave the house, go to the street, find very signal, and then he could actually call the paramedics. In one thing and the other, my mom died in my arms. We gave her CPR while the paramedics arrived. They took a while because there was a traffic congestion, like really big traffic congestion, because we don't have light on the street. We've already seen three examples of how being off the power grid affected her mother. From healthcare, to phone services, to traffic congestion, being without light may have cost her mother her life, but what she tells me next doesn't just affect her mother, it affects the entire island of Puerto Rico. The director of the funerary called to my cell phone and he told me, forensic science department released the body, they are not doing an autopsy because they think it's not necessary. <laughs> and we go like, what? How isn't it? necessary we want to know what happened mom she left 16 18 hours ago from the hospital we want to know what happened we don't want to judge anybody but we want to know because this is part of our grief and he said i'm gonna be really really honest with what i'm gonna say but the forensic science department right now is so full they are seeing the bodies from the funerary homes in the parking lot, doing the lab work inside the car, verify the bodies for anything. They close it up and they release it. And I go like, what? And he goes like, yes, they are not keeping any bodies inside there. certificate of my mom says that she died of a natural cause. She didn't die of a natural cause. She wasn't somebody who was like really, really sick, who needed some respiratory machine or something. She just had a virus a couple of hours ago. What the hell happened? Maybe a blood clot? We will never be sure of that. So every single system failed my family in the most horrible, traumatizing way you can imagine.
That was a clip of Dan Weinberg's YouTube video titled How is Life in Puerto Rico Without Power? 90 Days After Hurricane Maria. We will have a link to the full video on our webpage, kbfaapprentice.org. Puerto Rico's government official disaster death toll is still 61. But according to a report from the Center for Investigative Journalism, just in September and October, more than a thousand people die as a direct or indirect result of the hurricanes. But as you just heard, and it, this is hard to report, but death due to failure of vital services is still happening. Too many don't have running water still. My brother just got his electricity connected today, almost five months after. 400,000 people still don't have power. All while government just announced the privatization of the electric company. FEMA officially shut down food and water aid at the end of January. And the solution that proposed this fiscal board is the closing of another 300 public schools and make public protests illegal. Stay tuned, because I'm going to make another show about the fiscal board. It only makes sense to me if I explain it in terms of Naomi Klein's shock doctrine. In fact, just last Friday, she visited Puerto Rico for a panel discussion, and one of her comments was that Puerto Rico is an extreme example of exploiting a largely manufactured crisis to advance a regressive agenda. To understand how Congress is advancing this agenda, we had a conversation with Raul Garcia, who is a senior legislative counsel in the Policy and Legislation Department at Earth Justice. He works with Congress and the administration to protect the National Environmental Policy Act, as well as to advance environmental health and safety protections in oil and gas development. Here's what he had to say. I'm speaking with Raul Garcia. Raul, we are very interested in your statement about Puerto Rico. And what I understand is that Puerto Rico has not yet received any funds from either FEMA or the federal government. Is that true? Well, it's not that they haven't received any funds. Is that what they're receiving is just minuscule compared to what they need. The need in Puerto Rico is very dire. And so we know that the response has been completely inadequate by the federal government. And that includes the administration and Congress. The administration for not really implementing the resources that it has very well and Congress for not appropriating more resources for it to be addressed. Now, I'll give you one example in terms of how the administration is not doing this the right way. They're sending people from FEMA who don't speak Spanish to an island whose main language is Spanish. They're asking for applications to be submitted online when half the island doesn't have any power. Those are kinds of things that show you that it's not only a matter of the money not being there, but also it's even the resources that they do have are just being thrown away because they're not implemented in the right way. Yeah, I can attest to that. I couldn't get my phone to work in Puerto Rico any time after the hurricane and even two months after. It was a struggle. And I understand that they are asking people to follow up on the Internet and that is not happening in Puerto Rico. It's not there. 
What are they proposing and are there any conditions or requisites for approval of these funds? So the funds have to come from the federal Congress and so far there is a bill that has passed the House of Representatives but has not been taken up in the Senate. And so it is not law yet and the funds have not been appropriated but even that bill that was passed in the House is largely lacking in terms of resources. First of all, there is no money secure for Puerto Rico itself, right? So this is to address all of the disasters that are happening. That includes Texas, that includes Florida, U.S. Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, and then even some out west because of the wild forest fires. And there is no specific bucket for Puerto Rico. And so, one, the amount of money is inadequate based on what several experts have estimated and, and even government officials have estimated the damage to be. But second, there are provisions in the bill that are harmful. For example, they're taking away environmental protections, like there's an appropriation for $26 billion for HUD, and that allows the agency to spend the money without doing any analysis, without looking for public input, without actually checking on the community to see what it needs. This process is usually done under the National Environmental Policy Act, which is very important because it forces agencies to check on what they're about to do with the folks on the ground in terms of what they need. But then we see other issues that the bill just doesn't address. For example, there is a $1 for $1 match requirement. So for any dollar that the federal government puts in, there has to be a dollar from the state or state equivalent government, right? If the federal government puts $1, then the Puerto Rican government has to be able to put $1. When the Puerto Rican government runs out of money, then the federal government stops giving it aid. This matching system has to be taken away altogether because while Texas and Florida and even maybe the U.S. Virgin Islands may be able to come up with the money, Puerto Rico's facing an economic crisis. And the economic crisis is separate than what is happening with the hurricanes, although very related. But we want to make sure that the funds that are being appropriated are being used to actually help people. And that doesn't happen if the Puerto Rican government cannot come up with the money, and we know that they don't have enough money to address their issues. The second thing on that point is that under this bill, the money is being given to the oversight board that was established under a different law, which is called PROMESA. That oversight board is a federal government product. However, it does not answer to any authority in Puerto Rico. It was created to help manage the economic crisis in Puerto Rico, try to figure out a way for the island to come out of the crisis. We are very worried that any money given to this oversight board, since its focus is economic recovery, is actually just going to be used to pay off debt, and it's not going to go to people in Puerto Rico that need it. So any bill that passes needs to have certainty and explicit protections that say that this money cannot go to bondholders or creditors or anybody who owns Puerto Rico's debt and that this money has to go directly to help families and communities on the ground that need it. I have read that they are expecting to get the money and use it to pay the debt instead of helping people and fixing roofs. I saw many of them from the air, all the blue tarps, and some people lost everything and don't even qualify for the blue tarp. So, gee, sounds really, really bad news. In terms of political action, what would you recommend? I think that Congress needs to understand all of these intricacies. And so I would urge folks to call on their elected officials, 
Unfortunately, we have a system in which Puerto Rico does not have voting representation in Congress. They have a delegate in the House of Representatives, but she's not allowed to vote on the floor. And there is no Puerto Rican leader in the Senate. And so, at least not representing Puerto Rico, we have several people who look after the interests of Puerto Rico, but they also represent other states. And so we have to push on those folks who, from whichever state you're in, to help Puerto Rico, because they don't have a voice in Congress. And that means making them aware of what is happening in Puerto Rico and how to take steps to address this. And I think one of the main things that need to happen here is that Puerto Ricans that are coming over from the island need to get politically active right away. And we've seen a huge pickup in that, but we need more because the folks that are coming here are fleeing desperate conditions. And it would be great if they could stay in Puerto Rico, but they've been forced out. But wherever they come to the United States, they will be residents of a new state, and they need to weigh in with the representatives of that state to help Puerto Rico. So we're seeing a huge influx into Florida, New York. So I would say you guys need to be calling Senator Nelson, Senator Rubio, Senator Schumer from New York, Senator Gillibrand. Senator Schumer, Senator Gillibrand, and Senator Nelson have done great things. They're really hoping to help Puerto Rico. Unfortunately, it has not been met the same way on the other side of the aisle with Republicans. So I would urge even those folks who are well-connected with Republicans, explain to them the situation in Puerto Rico. Tell them that a recovery in Puerto Rico needs to come by the will of Puerto Ricans. You can't take away the authority that Puerto Ricans should have. And you can't take away environmental, civil rights, or labor protections in exchange for aid. Those are things that every U.S. citizen is entitled to, and Puerto Ricans being U.S. citizens should not have those things taken away. Correct. Well, there you go. And if you're Puerto Rican out there and you're listening to this, please go register to vote. Anything you want to add? I really just want to say that it's a dire situation in Puerto Rico, and it's been a challenge getting attention there. And I think we need to make sure that the attention does not get diverted. While Washington, D.C. keeps talking about government shutdowns and other priorities, we need to make sure that Puerto Rico stays in the forefront because that's really what's going to drive Congress to act. And if something's not right, people in Puerto Rico need to speak out and let your family members in the states know, let us know so that we can point them out. FEMA asking for people to use the internet to submit applications is not acceptable. We can't let them off the hook. So please continue to pressure. Puerto Rico needs relief and it deserves it. Do you guys have a link in your page to do political action or specifically for Puerto Rico? We work as a coalition with a lot of other groups. So I would actually point to the website of Hispanic Federation's website to see how you guys can get involved. Hispanic Federation has been doing an amazing job, not only providing direct aid, but also lobbying here in Congress. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time and for your work. Oh, we are just trying to do our part based on what we think is fair. The real people who are going through this and have to deal with the consequences day in and day out, their voices need to be put on the front and center of this, and that's what we're working to do. But we need help. So any pressure that folks can put on their representatives would be of great help. Thank you so much. Oh, we will. You. Welcome back to Full Circle here on KBFA 94.1 FM. That was the voice of Raul Garcia from earthjustice.org. And yes, Raul, this is why we're here, working and for free, as you said. We must ensure the case of Puerto Rico stays at the forefront because that's what's going to make Congress act. All the links will be on our kpfaapprentice.org page. 
please visit Call your senators, congresspeople, and share this link with anyone that can possibly be interested. We're going to take a musical break. And when we come back, we will hear from our warriors in Borinquen. This is titled Hijos del Cañaveral, Children of the Cane Sugar Fields, by Boricua artist Residente. Puerto Rico no se levanta, porque Puerto Rico siempre ha estado de pie. Nuestra mancha de plátano salió del mismo racimo Somos hermanos del mismo horizonte Todos nos criamos en la falda del monte Crecimos pero para que otros se aprovechen Somos un pueblo con dientes de leche Los hijos del trabajo sin merienda La limonada para el capataz de la hacienda Todo lo que sobrevive Somos la caña fermentada del Caribe Pero aunque la historia nos azota, somos como una botella de vidrio que flota. La central Aguirre la pusimos a producir, sin saber leer ni escribir. Y la depresión la curamos sin jarabe, porque caminamos al combate la clave. Nuestra raza por naturaleza es brava, salimos de la tapa de un volcán con lava. No hay identidad, dicen algunos, pero aquí todos llevamos en la espalda el número 21. Aprendimos a caminar hace rato, con un pie descalzo y el otro con zapato, con la medalla del cacique en la casa de empeño. Somos de un país sin dueño. Oh. Hijos de cañaveral, nunca se nos cae la pava. Esta raza siempre es brava, aunque sople temporal. Pa' que sientas el calibre de un caballo sin jinete Mira cómo corre libre Se refleja en el machete Somos el rocío cuando se desayuna Somos la marea cuando baila con la luna Nos secamos el sudor con el viento sin toalla Y nos perfumamos con la sal de la playa Cuando el sol cuelga la nube en el tendedero y agua de coco son los aguaceros y soñamos desde la misma orilla sin perder el camino porque aquí los cubanos brillan y en el huracán y le rezamos a la cruz. Jugamos brisca cuando se va la luz, el calor nos calienta la cerveza y nos bañamos en el lago. Hasta que abran la represa aquí, los viernes santos se come ya un día aquí. Los reyes magos vienen de Guanadía, pelamos para agua los difuntos y en las patronales, en la caja muerto, nos mareamos juntos los nuestros. No hay nadie que nos los quite por más nieve que tiren, aquí la nieve se derrite, aunque siempre las raíces como les dé la gana. Los palos de Guanábana, toda manzana. Hijos de Cañaveral, nunca se nos cae la pava. Esta raza siempre es brava, aunque sople temporal. Pa' que sientas el calibre de un caballo sin jinete. Mira cómo corre libre, se refleja en el machete. Pretemporal, va a prender. 
Puerto Rican artist Residente with Hijos del Cañaveral, the opening song of the most recent Latin Grammy Awards. Living conditions in Borinquen are far worse than the poorest U.S. state. More than 250,000 people have left Puerto Rico. Thousands are living in scattered hotels across the mainland. The hurricanes have spread highly toxic ashes from the Peñuelas coal burning plant, and there is an ongoing assault on environmental protections, as you just heard. A lot of businesses have closed their doors or made drastic cuts, so unemployment grows as we speak. Just last night, I spoke with my cousin Jorge, who is part of the University of Puerto Rico Employee Union, and he explained many of the sneaky, under-the-table deals the government and the administration are concocting to start the closing of the oldest and only public university in Puerto Rico. And it makes sense. The University of Puerto Rico, my alma mater, has always been the hub of investigation and dissension. They are part of the movement to do a citizen-driven audit on the mostly illegal 72 billion government debt. We also talk about how mainstream media is manipulating the public opinion against the electric worker unions, accusing them of corruption to blame them for the delay in service restoration and justify privatizations of the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority. The union have resorted to go to shopping malls to speak with the public and answer their questions so Boricos wake up and resist in mass. I'm going to research this more, but I will post the links I have so you can better inform. It's a real dire situation, but my hopes are on those everyday Boricuas that are awakening to the power of uniting with their neighbors and organizing in every corner to meet the urgent needs of their communities. So we interview Lourdes Hernández Rivera from the Center for Mutual Support, an organization that continues to feed the hungry with much more than food 
Let's listen. I'm speaking with Lourdes Hernandez-Rivera. She's part of the Comité de Apoyo Mutuo en Caguas, or Committee for Mutual Support. And she was just telling me how she got electric power today, 138 days after Maria or Irma? Irma. Mm -hmm. And how is that? Tell me, tell me. I know you're so happy. Yes, we are very happy. I live with my grandma. She wanted so badly to watch TV. She only had two channels, but she's watching like a kid. And I'm also washing clothes. I'm very happy for that, not to do that with my hand. It's better with the washing machine. We are also working towards our communities that don't have power electricity. People need electricity to survive right now. There are millions of Puerto Ricans without power and without water also in many parts of the island. Definitely. I'm curious about the Centro de Apoyo Mutuo, Mutual Support Centers. You told me that they started just nine days after Maria. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Well... The organizers that began the Center for Mutual Support had another project before the hurricane, specifically two projects. One is communal kitchens, the public university campus, and the other project is health and acupuncture for the people that is dedicated to give community clinics with a protocol of ear acupuncture to deal with addictions, depression, and anxiety. We had that experience four years with the communal kitchen, two years and a half with the ear acupuncture. So when the hurricane passed, we knew what to do. The third day after the hurricane, we organize and do many calls. We have just one phone, the metropolitan area, so it was hard in the first days, the communication. But we did organize to start at day nine, Center for the Mutual Support in Kawastown. And the first day we served 300 lunches. We gave a breakfast and lunch. And in the first week we have every day 500 people being served. We also did ear acupuncture clinics to deal with trauma. In the first clinic we received 80 people, then 100, then 50 and so on. We have been doing that since that day, and that model was replicated also in 10 different municipalities in Puerto Rico. So there are 10 centers for mutual support around the island, including Vieques. And we are hoping to open more centers for mutual support because every center has initiatives that correspond to the necessity of the community. So in Caguas, we cook food because it's the major necessity, but in Las Marias, what the center gives to the people is classes for the kids. The kids don't have school after the hurricane, and they don't want to go to any other school far from their neighborhood. So moms are going to be teachers. They are doing the teacher's job. What we want to do is to stabilize those centers for mutual support and move to other parts of the island to organize the people so they know that they can live without the aid from the government. We don't have any support from any governmental institution. We are supported by our own initiatives and also from private donors. And we are working with that to find different ways to earn money and put people to work to promote small business and a new economy in those neighborhoods. Fantastic. 
this is very important because a lot of people talk about Puerto Rico and immediately comes the idea of let's race. But you guys are doing it from the inside out and you are finding a way to lean on each other and push forward, create a new society in Puerto Rico, which fills me with hope. I'm very pumped about yeah. the work you're doing. One of the things that really blows me is the part about the arts because I'm an art teacher and I want to hear the story again about how the arts are important in this process. Well, I have a personal experience with my parents. They both died from cancer and what they did their last year was dedicate all their energy to make art. And they were so liberated by the concentration they had making art and the power it gave them. I get that teaching so profound, so intense in my soul that I began working with the idea to cope with trauma and poverty and violence, doing art, whatever we can with our hands that can create beauty. It's medicine. It's a healing process. And people respond very well. If they feel insecure about something, we always find a way to make them do something that involves art, even though that means just to cut with your hands and scissors many circles, for example. So people get concentrated. They share, laugh, tears, stories. They eat together while they are making their art. And they feel so good. They come back so empowered. And with ideas, at least in Caguas, we want to do a little store with what we do so people can come by and that uh, brings money to the craftsman and then to the center. And most of the people don't have power electricity, so <laughs> it's the perfect time to get them out of their houses and do some crafts and art. We want to do that in every center and specify for the different range, like kids, youth, elders. So yes, you need to come here to help us with that. Yeah, I'll find a way. <laughs> so what other services are you giving? Ah, uh, we do gardening. We are trying to get back with that ancestor knowledge of the herbs. So we are promoting workshops with the herbs that we garden. We are educating about beekeeping and the importance of pollinization and how that in communion with food sovereignty. We also work with cook lessons. Yeah, Giso, that's one that is from the old ladies of the different centers. They tell their kitchen secrets. That's precious, you know, that's history that is passing everywhere. Uh, we do theater. We are working with community cinema in Las Marias. We also, eventually, we will work with podcasts, and we are talking about that. And people do, for example, Radio Mobil, that it's uh, when you announce in your car <laughs> through the neighborhood what is happening. That was something that happened years ago, but now we are bringing it back as a way to communicate in places that we don't have electricity. So, yes, art, food... Ancestral knowledge, gardening, cinema, new ways of life and consumption with solar energy workshops. We are talking about menstrual cups, doing um, like a tour, talking mm -hmm. in every center about the menstrual cup and how that helps environmental footprint. 
Yeah, we're trying to teach and share everything that we know as a society and that breaks with everything that has been taught by the capitalism. So this disaster is helping us to not rebuild, but build a new way of life, and we are working for that. What we want is to share this experience so people can give us more suggestions, also funding, because we are in an economic crisis, a horrible one. Is it too early to say that this is turning around society in Puerto Rico? I think it's soon because it's only been four months. We need to talk about this like in one year, maybe, if the project continues. We hope so. We are not the only movement. We are 10 centers for mutual support, but there are also dozens of community initiatives that we don't know because they don't have communication. But I think that the media is not showing what is happening in many points of the island. Like, we are moving forward and we are moving beyond what's ever seen. I think we have the knowledge and we have the strength and we have also the anger. We are also very angry with this situation. We have been feeling so oppressed that It is our time now. So I think that not the Center for Mutual Support, but the community organization will rise up and people will see. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for everybody that is listening. We are working with what we have. and We have the strength to go on. So we're going to be fine. We are fine. One of the Great. things that makes this place so unique is the level of love in the way they treat each other. Yeah, it's beautiful. We love each other very much. The community always enters and says, we feel here like a family, you know? And it's so good when you're at your home dealing with everything and you remember the hug of each one of you in the center. Thank you, because I'm feeling love. That's beautiful, you know? That's Revolutionary. Anything. Mm-hmm. That was Lourdes Rivera, who will visit us in the Bay Area in March. Please stay tuned to KPFA for days and times of her presentations. Now let's talk about Vieques. What's that? Vieques is one of those offshore municipalities of Puerto Rico, seven miles off the southeast coast. You need to take it furry to get there. In the 1940s, Two-thirds of this island was simply occupied by the U.S. Navy and used as a target practice range for 60 years. All kinds of toxic contaminants, including depleted uranium, contribute to cancer rates 37% higher than in the rest of the population. For us Puerto Ricans, Vieques is that in-your-face example of an outrageous injustice, but also our vortex of strength. How's that? In 2003, people from all walks of life joined forces and gained international pressure to end the siege. We're going to listen to Canción para Vieques, a song for Vieques, featuring the voices of many of the best Latin American singers, honoring Vieques' 60-year-long struggle 
and their heroic fishermen who dared to resist by blocking the path of a Navy's aircraft carrier. Thanks to Diana Capcabin for this contribution. Vuelta una isla, su historia, envuelta en olas de fuego. Todo el camino que da su memoria va cubierto con un velo de miedo. Sesenta años despierto por bombas de paz en la noche. Los niños con salmos al ritmo de detonaciones. Sesenta años con lluvia de uranio y de municiones. Limpiando ventanas con pólvora sucia, esperando que el cáncer reaccione. Por eso. Welcome back to Full Circle on 94.1 FM in Berkeley. 
That was a song for Vieques written by the group Fiel a la Vega. This January, I visited Vieques and my friend Cristina Corrada Emanuel took me to La Incubadora, the incubator. This is a nonprofit organization dedicated to foster local small businesses in Vieques. But after the eye of Hurricane Maria went through this island, well, let's listen to what Elizabeth Rosario told me. After Hurricane Maria, mm-hmm. um, Incubadora Vieques has had a turning point where everything has changed. We have been converted into a distribution center. First, we started with a little donation that people started bringing canned goods and first need items. And we started like that. Then organization by organization started coming, like Amor por Vieques, um, Vieques en el Corazón, Maria Cristina, and a couple of friends, Rachel. People has get together and started bringing stuff here. Also, some private entities like Sam's Club, different people. Also, Congress Lady Nidia Velasquez and Hispanic Federation. They've been part of this great distribution that we has, have been having here. For example, we, we started also with loads, truck loads, with milk, because we had one little problem here. When at first the emergency happened, we started receiving many canned goods and also FEMA started sending provisions, but it wasn't anything that Puerto Ricans eat. I thought that was the leftovers from Harvey in Texas because they do like spicy food, jalapenos, hot salchichas, but not in Puerto Rico, not in Vieques. Also, what we were receiving was the MRE, which is the military ready-to-eat food. Then we started to receive rice and beans, jelly beans, you know, rice and beans for Puerto Ricans. And we started feeling that people outside of Vieques and Puerto Rico were really caring and understanding the real need. Because one important thing of a need is when you really bring what it's needed, there is when you're helping. It's not that we're not grateful. Is that what are you going to do with that? But right now we've been having a great response from the community. Also at this Christmas season, we have got toys also from Hispanic Federation, from um, Susan G. Common. They came over, brought some toys for the kids. And it's been amazing how the people outside of our island has been getting together, understanding that Vieques is a little island at the east of Puerto Rico. We are part of Puerto Rico, but we are even further away. We've been struggling so much, so much, Laura. We've been struggling in Vieques with the transportation, with the communication. So Vieques, we are resilient people, and we are very grateful of everything that has been coming through Incubadora to give out to our sisters and brothers here in the island. What help, if any, have you received from the government of the mainland? Well, the main island, I won't be able to say that we have received much. I won't say nothing because the director is the person that directly received more of the information. And 
to be honest, I don't want to say nothing to not be irresponsible, but all of my knowledge, none. The local government, the mayor has been supporting the incubadora. He's been asking for the need. He's been even assigning people to come over to help. And it's been a lot of political struggle in the island. And it's very sad, Laura, when you see the news what's going in Vieques, what's going in Puerto Rico, and people take a political party opinion of everything. I think this emergency has been a school for us to understand that there should be no label, no race, no age, no political or religious label, because we are all human beings. When people speak about Vieques, we have a big North American community here, and they are part of Vieques. There's even an organization that is called Vieques Love that is being created from most of them are people from the United States, from English-speaking people. We have that great part of the community, and they are Vieques too. One more thing that I don't want to forget, we even had a visit and support from the Muslim community from the United States. So it's all about love and humanity. It's more than three months after the emergency. How much progress have you seen so far? I won't say too much progress. It's sad. We have a small percentage of the island that has been connected to these huge generators from the power authority. And they've been trying to work sectors but a big part of the communities here, including Montesanto, Esperanza, are not still having any power. What that means, still there's people with special needs, people in bed, elder people, children that not having this service. What happens when you don't have service? You can stand it, Laura, for a couple of days, a couple of weeks. You have a generator. So many people have been sending generators, but these generators run with gas or diesel. Fuel is not cheap. Fuel is expensive. Then people need to go to the gas station in order to refill that. What about a person that is in bed? So what I think in order to be effective, the logistic has to be a little further, but there's still a lot of need. Why? Also, Vieques, as I mentioned before, we have this horrible transportation to the main island because we are separated by a sea mm -hmm. that we need to get almost everything at the main island. Even our businesses here, they need to get a ferry to bring here the food. Maybe people have their food stamps or their money, but when you go to the supermarkets that we have here, you won't find it. This didn't start here with Maria. Puerto Rico has been in a crisis for long term, and the priority is not Vieques. Nine, 10,000 people in that little island. Let's go to Vieques for vacation, for beaches, and for having fun, but leave them behind in this emergency. First things go to the main island. So we are left behind. But we are stronger. Mm -hmm. We will. Vieques has been struggling with so many social issues and always standing strong. So we're here waiting for all the help that still can come. My opinion, look for those nonprofit organizations that are really doing the work because nonprofit organizations are 
entities from the communities. They really know what are the needs. Right now, I can mention a couple. There's VER, V-E-R. Vieques en Rescate is an organization that help and support people with cancer. They pay for all the expenses for these people to go to the main island for their appointments and for a company person. And they even give them things like food supplements, insurers. They've been really doing a good job for long, long years. Another entity that has been working, and I have the honor to, to be part of this initiative is um, Incubadora Vieques, which also works um, together with Radio Vieques. Radio Vieques is a community radio, the only one in Puerto Rico. They've been great um, communicating with people, even though Radio Vieques lost big part of the antennas, of the system, we've been getting support also. So Radio Vieques has been doing good in the part of communications, Radio Incubadora Vieques. Are you guys on the internet by any chance? You can find Radio Vieques in TuneIn application. It's www.radiovieques.org. And look for us in Facebook also. There's one more organization. It's called Corefi, C-O-R-E-F-I. They help people that are in bed totally for the elderly community. This Corefi has been working for 10 years now. One more organization that I think is doing great, and they're working in the sports with the kids. They lost everything. They lost their their training area. It's, it's Lanina Judo Club. These people has even, Laura, world champion people from Vieques. They've been doing a great job, and they do need help. So Vieques is here. We're in great need still because recuperation, restoration, is, it doesn't take a couple months. This Maria has been, Laura, it's like a nightmare. When I look at the pictures, when I go back and review what really Maria has done, it's terrible. I prefer to look at the good side where we have met so many great people, even our neighbors that maybe we didn't met before. This been a great mechanism to get together and grow stronger. Muchas gracias. Gracias y Happy New Year. That was the voice of Elizabeth Rosario. We're going to have links to La Encobadora, Radio Vieques, and all the organizations that work on this very deserving part of Borinquen. Please check our apprentice page, kpfaapprentice.org. And um, can we have some more music? Or you want to talk about The Apprentice? Yeah, we're recruiting for new apprentices. Let me tell you one thing. I'm, I'm very, very grateful to this unique program for giving me the tools to discuss the case of Puerto Rico with you all. I've learned to write for radio, use sound editing software, and even work the control board. So if you're listening to this and you're itching to take your message to the airwaves and have the time to learn the ropes, this is the program for you. So go to KPF, kpfaapprentice.org and apply. The deadline is March 30th at 5 p.m. And that brings us to the end of the show. 
Again, please check our page, kbfaapprentice.org, for more links and resources. Tune in next week to Full Circle. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. I've been your host, Laura Laborico Echegaray. Special thanks to Catherine on the ones and twos and our team. It's Steve and Aria. Thank you for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Stay tuned. La Onda Mejita is next.